Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. This week is our interview episode. These are some of our favorite ones. And today we have Camille Myrick with us. Um, Joy, can you read her bio for us and let everybody get to know her a little bit more? Absolutely. So Camille Myrick is a full-time author and mom from Southern Mississippi. She has contributed work to a wide range of online journals, anthologies, and blogs, including how-to articles for the nonprofit literacy program, National Novel Writing Month, one of our favorites. When she is not busy posting behind-the-scenes videos about her writing process on YouTube, she can be found chasing field mice in her kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Camille. Thank you for having me so much. It's so good to be with y'all today. Wait to have a writing chat with you. Yes. yes. We are so thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, before we dig into the interview, let's talk about our creative weeks. Camille, what did you do? Oh, man. Well, since my husband is now working out of town and I'm doing everything, kind of managing it on my own, I have just been dabbling in every kind of arts and crafts thing a (laughs) stay-at-home mom could possibly do. So um, I've been doing, like, embroidering. I've been working on my rewrite for my novel, obviously. I read a ton, a ton. Read a ton. And um, I have some beads coming to me from Amazon later this week so I can make some jewelry. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm dabbling in all of it, keeping myself occupied right now. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I actually do a little bit of jewelry making too. So if there is, um, if you, if you have a little extra, it's not too much money. It's, it's called a wig jig. It's one of my favorite jewelry making tools. And so it, it's like a pegboard and you yeah. can put these little pegs in there and then do some wire wrapping and you can make earring hooks and like, you know, oh, just little things like that. It's so cool. That. So listen, if you, um, if you don't want to buy one, you can borrow mine and see if you like it. I would and love then, that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. (laughs) That's awesome. So, Joy, how was your creative week? Oh, so my week has been interesting, a little bit different. Always something new, right? Um, But I will have to say that my creative week has centered around this cool, nifty little thing that I got in the mail. Um, Actually, I didn't just get it in the mail. We actually ordered it. You know, it's not like it just landed in my mailbox or something like that. But it's called the Remarkable Tablet. And it is truly remarkable. It is one of these things that basically replaces pen and paper. And it actually does. Like, you know me. You know how I like to use pens and paper, right? And how, like, snotty I am about it. This actually, I am. I really am. I'm totally (laughs) snotty. This is so like pen and paper. Like, it's insane. I don't know if you guys can see this or not, but this is it. This is my paper, and this is my pen. And so it is just like writing with a ballpoint pen. They also have – so you can do anything. Like, this is literally going to replace every one of my journals, all of my planners, all of my note-taking things – all in this one little handy dandy thing and it's not like it's not connected to a bunch of apps and stuff like this um this one is specifically for writing like that is its entire purpose and so it is amazing yeah i'm totally in love hey will you put a link in the show notes because i kind of want to absolutely absolutely now i will tell you guys because you're going to look at the price tag and you're gonna be like oh well joy's rolling over there i'm not (laughs) really (laughs) but we got the refurbished ones and we have the remarkable ones so they're remarkable ones and now they have the twos um and i don't really know all the differences but i mean this one is oh my goodness (laughs) so do do you like 
save after you write your journal thing or whatnot, if you, if you're journaling, do you save it like with the date? Where does it go? Like, does it just stay on the tablet? It, it, part of it stays on the tablet, but you also have an app to where it, you can put it in the cloud. Basically you have like this little, um, remarkable app is where your storage is and you can connect that to your desktop, to your phone, to whatever. And so then you can pull it off of there. Um, it also like your handwriting, it actually will read your handwriting and turn it into text and it works. So cool. It is insane guys. Like I was really skeptical, but my husband's handwriting is a little bit sloppier than mine. So we tested it with his because he got one too and it translated it perfectly. I was amazed. I know. I will be looking at that. (laughs) Plus for you artists. They like you can draw some amazing stuff, like what? yeah, Camille. Pretty... <laughs> <laughs> like little book cover, you know, markup. Yeah, on there. That'd be cool. That would be so cool. So I got the Neo because of your videos, Camille, on YouTube. I love it. I I do love it. I, I, my favorite part about it is when you plug it up to your computer and it starts like typing out what you've I written know. in there. It's so fantastic. It's and you so can sit there cute. and read it back like quickly, like you're mm-hmm. skimming your stuff. And so it's like a whole nother review. And used to, like when I was in the zero drafting phase and I would be downloading these files every night um, off the thing. I don't know if they know what a um, an Alpha Smart Neo 2 is, but it's like a... Oh, yeah. It's an offline um, keyboard that it has seven or eight documents, like separate files, and you just type directly into it, and that's it. It's just distraction-free writing tool, and then you transfer it to the computer. But um, I would sit there while my file was going into my Scrivener, my Word document, and I would take notes, like edit notes, on my plot because I was watching it like be read back to me and it was so neat. So I'm so happy that you got one and that you love it. I'm the biggest spokesperson for Alpha Smart Neo 2. Absolutely love it. And for anybody who's interested in getting one, they're actually, they're not selling them new anymore. They used to use these as word processors in school before tablets and computers got so cheap. So, um, so what you can do is find one used and you want to make sure that you get one. If you get one with the cord, um, I, I, I wanted to get one with the cord cause I didn't want to have to fool with it, but I have heard that a printer cord will work. Um, with it as well mm-hmm. but um but it's really cool it runs on like triple a batteries <laughs> and, it, and the batteries last for like five years yeah so. I've only changed mine once over the past year and I've had it for a year so and I think the batteries were already low <laughs> when I got it because I'm sure it's been sitting in the storage closet for over a decade by the time it made it to my house so yeah so now I'm gonna get a refurbished tablet because of joy since I have yeah. my Neo because of you <laughs> <laughs> there will be no excuses whatsoever to not finish our projects because we'll have so many tools. <laughs> At least that's what I always tell myself. But <laughs> Which is actually kind of a perfect transition into my creative week because I finished a manuscript. <gasps> so, so I did. I finished my poetry. Actually, I, I got my second critique from Joy and I finished those edits and I wrote a couple of more poems. And so now I have a finished document that is going to the formatter soon. So, Oh, my God. Yay. How exciting. I love exciting. that. I love that. So, so and that, you know, you made your oh, you made your book paper daisies and i'm actually going to be making my book grief like a river so we have something in common yay that's awesome are you going to be doing artwork for it and stuff i am and maybe i can talk to you off air on how you did your artwork but um but i'm just like pen and paper in it right now yeah literally that's what i did when i sketched paper daisies um i had a pen and paper and it was a sketch this big this is the original sketch Oh, literally like nothing to it at all. Like the colors were not even that vibrant and it's, it's tiny. And so I held the paper under a good light, took a picture of it, put a filter on the picture. Then the back is the same Daisy, but with like a distortion yeah, on it. Yeah, I see that. Uh-huh. 
so it, that way it all matched and everything. But it's yeah, so I was good. like really just experimenting and just putting it together as I went. So you can you can make book covers out of a lot of things and yeah. pen and paper. Like I tried scanning it and um, that didn't necessarily work for me. Like my phone takes really good pictures. So I just took a picture mm-hmm. of a picture and then like edited the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So since we are like, since we're talking about this, can you tell us like, um, when did you start writing and what got you started on this kind of crazy poem novel journey? Oh man. Okay. <laughs> so I think I wrote my first poem when I was six years old. I picked up reading pretty quickly as a child and started writing very shortly after the death of my biological father and was expressing myself that way. It was a couple years after my dad had died that I was probably seven or eight. And my mom told me, he said, she said, did I ever tell you that your dad was a poet? And I was like, no, you didn't actually. And so like that moment solidified it for me because I had naturally come into an affinity for something that like forever connected me to him. Mm. And I just couldn't be stopped after that. So, <laughs> so in the sixth grade, I wrote a poem and submitted it to Mississippi Young Writer Showcase. And I won first place for my division. And that was like my first paid publication. And from that publication, I got nominated to serve on the advisory board of creative kids magazine which was like an international creative writing magazine and I served there for two years and published a handful of projects through there and so that really like skyrocketed my career in a way because I always had that to look back on and be like look how much I did so early you know and but then it was like 10 years I didn't write anything and I lost a lot of confidence about poetry and just writing because I really wanted to write fiction novels you know so when I got to college I pursued journalism and I signed up to write up like op-ed articles for the student prints and I did that for two years and I really excelled at doing that and so I was like well maybe this is the direction I should go instead and so I pursued journalism for a long time probably about three years I think I wrote journalistically and I had contributed stuff to like Dime magazine when they were still printing which discontinue now but I in college I made the decision I said I will never go another year without publishing something because I had gone so long without publishing and so every year since 2015 I've made a point to publish something and for 2020 I had paper daisies come out and this was like something I did on my own and then I also had a short story come out in an anthology called a flash of words and yeah like it's just been a I gotta keep this going because this is like my everything and interestingly like I'll just like open up and be vulnerable about it but I had a lot of bipolar going on and I wrote a lot about bipolar in this book um I I was writing these poems starting when I got married, which I got married very shortly after my 20th birthday. So it's basically 15, like (laughs) mentally. (laughs) And so I was processing a lot of like big girl stuff. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was like, what do I do with my life? Like I can do anything in college. Like I could have any career. And I changed my major probably like, eight or nine times like I was in pre-med and then I was in journalism and I was always doing the journalism in the back but like I couldn't just stick with one thing and my husband finally just like sat down with me and was like what would you do if there was no prestige attached to it and money was not an option what would you do and I'd say I'd write and 
from that point on, that's what I've been doing. So that's kind of like a, a bridge version of how we got here <laughs> for sure. Yeah. By 2020, I was a mom. I had my son in, was it 2019? Oh my gosh, so long ago. <laughs> I cannot believe it's, it's been, been that long ago already. <laughs> it's been eight or seven years. And I can still smell the fresh paint. Yeah, don't get me started. I can quote a line in Titanic. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> So yeah, I was a mom by 2020 and I was like, I really want to just put a period at the end of the sentence and like memorialize that first five years of my marriage. And I just finished drafting my first ever novel and I was aching to just focus on something. Mm -hmm. So I got out this manuscript for Paper Daisies, finished it, put it together and released it within like four months. Mm -hmm. And and now we're here. <laughs> you know, you mentioned. I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, you mentioned the poems that you wrote that deal with bipolar, and I will tell you that those were some of my absolute favorite ones in here. Really? I really, really love those. It's a mania. I'm telling you, like, it gets the juices flowing in a way nothing else. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and you used format so well in those poor poems too, mm -hmm. at least in the some of the ones that I can remember off the top of my head. Yes. It's like the way that you positioned the lines mm -hmm. of the poem really did visualize that back and forth. Yeah. I loved it. Well, thank you. That's because Emily Dickinson was like one of my biggest inspirations growing up. Like she was a recluse. I'm a recluse. <laughs> we are kindred spirits I was like I loved how she used punctuation and then I think it was I can't remember the author's name but they were really popular books when I was in middle school like the crank series and it was oh like, yeah um Helen Hopkins Helen Hopkins and she completely just broke all the rules with formatting mm -hmm. and so when I read that I was like I was more focused on like the formatting that it was a story in those books. Mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, like how she goes back and forth and she'll like, she's writing two poems at the same time. Like, oh gosh, so incredibly creative. I loved it. Tahara Mafi did that for me with the Shatter Me series. Have you, have you seen that? No, but I have seen so many people review the Shatter Me series and I have no idea what it's about so I haven't okay. picked it up. Well it's YA and there's some people who don't like YA but what mm -hmm. I loved about it was um, she's writing like the narrator is, is the main character and she's writing out her thoughts but she'll censor herself and so every few lines that will be crossed out and then she'll say it like how socially acceptable and it's, oh. it's really cool. And so as the series goes on and she grows confident in herself and her abilities and who she is and all that, there are fewer and fewer lines crossed out. So it's oh really cool. Oh, my gosh. Oh, how neat. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. I, will, I have to read that now. I have to. Yeah, if, even if it's just for the study of it. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's a good story. I thought it was a good story, but also that blew me away. And her use of analogy is really, really phenomenal, too. So That's great. Yeah. Put it on the TBR. Sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, Joy and I both also have journalism backgrounds. I only have it in college. Um, I was a co-editor for the lifestyle sections for a brief moment in time, but Joy's <laughs> been in journalism for like 20-something years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I loved it. That's that's where I got my start. I loved writing news. And it was funny that you said op-ed because – I so loved writing op-eds. Like, I yeah. could totally do that for the rest of my life, I think. But I just... the normies in the crowd, that means opinion editorial. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, girl. Thank you. <laughs> it means whatever the hell I want to say. <laughs> for all the muggles. For all the muggles. For all the muggles. <laughs> it's my opinion. Yes. <laughs> It's my opinion. <laughs> oh, Lord. I just memed. That's horrible. <laughs> well, so do you have a favorite poem or a poem that you think might epitomize your book that you could potentially read for us? Could we encourage you to do that? 
Oh. I'm going to read along. I've got my oh, yes. Okay. This is so much fun. <laughs> this on page 92 <laughs> of said paper daisies. Okay. This is called The Stag. I used to think that I was a wolf, digging claws into the mud of a soggy October garden, slipping and begging for winter, but I am not a wolf. The wolf was the thing banging a fist on the door, howling from a swing hung out in the yard, a vile, hateful thing, violent for sport and aimlessly searching. I used to think I was the sun, consuming myself from the inside out, blazing and flaring on impulse. I thought the only way to burn was to shine at midday, loud and overbearing on every delicate thing underneath, but I am not the sun. The sun is him, a finale to my recklessness, obliterating everything before our point of origin. The sun is a boy he planted in my soil who arrives screaming in awe at the capability of my body. I used to think I was a bud, tender and easily wilted, a victim of the innumerable grasses, just a speck of color on a busy canvas, but I am not a flower. The bloom is a fantasy. I am not fragile or a faceless being on the landscape. A bud is the part I played before I knew I was a tree. Not a pine, not a spindle or a shoot. I am old in my center with so many rings. A live oak pushing the roots out. My steady strength is an adversary to the ground. And I am a full moon rising. A single lamp burning in the window at midnight. I am hands busy at the witching hour, spinning threads and winding them like a web around this house. I am not a wolf. I am the empress of these shadows. I am the thing with horns, a, a crown of bleached white bones weighing heavy on my head. I will not be mounted on the wall. <laughs> Chill bumps. <laughs> so good. The reason why that sums it up is because the first poem in the book is talking about how I was kind of just blown away by nature because I had moved from the city into the country and my husband was like, look at all this beauty, look at all this nature, look at the woods and oh baby, look, there's a deer and I'm I'm looking at this buck with like this gorgeous head of horns on him and I'm just like wow and his response is to like well we need to like <laughs> drop and pack that thing <laughs> it's like we gotta eat it <laughs> we gotta eat that thing we gotta turn that into jalapeno sauces and I'm like <laughs> how could you possibly you know and so the line in that first poem is in some realm of the wood he was a king but now he's mounted on the wall. Such a something thing. Such a... <laughs> he's mounted to the wall. What did I say? It was Such a year a ago. Common thing. Such a common thing. And I was like... For a king. Yeah. yeah. In some realm of the wood, he was a king. Now he's mounted on the wall. Such a common thing. Like, something that was beautiful got diminished into house decor. Mm -hmm. and I was like that's kind of how I felt like I was this really vibrant person and I came into a culture that just obliterated everything that I thought was beautiful about myself mm -hmm. and it was then it was like the bipolar came and it diminished the self-esteem and it tore my mind to shreds and I was just like I'm weak I'm weak or I'm angry and that's all I am. All I am is angry. All I am is weak. And I thought I was all these things. And then it's like when I found my strength, it was like, no, I am ruler over these woods and I will not be mounted to the wall. So that's like the whole point of Paper Daisies is the journey from, I don't belong here. I'm just a sore thumb. Oh, when me to being like, I'm taking control, like, I'm starting a legacy with putting together all the broken pieces and making my own, 
like empire on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, girl. Yeah. So I'm so paper daisies. And then it was like I had my baby and he busts me wide open and now I'm writing poems and stories about motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole nother whole nother kind of uh finding yourself. Yeah, breaking down and building back up. It absolutely is. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, I had postpartum depression after my kids. And so I feel you with the, with the bipolar coming in mm-hmm. and like you're questioning yourself and all the things that you used to be able to trust yeah. about who you are. Like you're questioning all of those things. It's like, am I crazy? Am I not? Am I strong? Yeah. Am I weak? What, who am I today? You know? Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel that. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but I'm so thankful for this. I understand that postpartum is no joke. I don't ever want to hear anyone. (laughs) They're like, oh, it's just, she's just hormonal. I'm like, no, I have the violence of motherhood running through my veins. Mm. That's a line you need to put down. (laughs) Yes. There's nothing more violent them being a mom like it's just like I will to shreds anything that gets between me and my child like <laughs> that's all there is <laughs> yeah. yeah I feel the same the same way um <laughs> I was surprised at the the violence that came along with it because I'm a very non-violent non-controversial person and there was anger in me all of the sudden with all of my postpartum and it just shocked me to yeah. the court and that some stuff that I couldn't control Mm -hmm. so and I have always been in control like that was the thing that I'm good at is controlling myself my worst was being in traffic (laughs) and having my baby like in the car seat in the back seat and someone driving like stupid around me I'd be like I will track you down to your house my child is in the car you need to respect the fact my baby's in this car like I would just be going off uh, there'd be tears in my eyes I'd be so enraged and I'd just be going off on that person all the way home like still thinking about it when I went to bed that night like how dare they put my child in danger you know like it's the next level <laughs> biology <Yeah>. going on <laughs> So when you do that and they get a little bit older and they can start speaking and then they repeat the things that you've said about those drivers, <laughs> then, then here comes a whole nother level of shame. <laughs> so Speaking get ready for that. My son today stumbled and fell and he goes, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, No. No. I am praying when I say that, baby. (laughs) You better be saying, oh, Jesus, like, help me, Jesus. You better mean it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a ride. They are not perfect, but we love them, and that's what matters. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I'm curious, you know, you have this, this theme, you came from the city and you move out to the country. Why did you choose poetry as the best medium to accomplish it? And I know that you told us how important poetry has been to you since you were very young and now we know Mm -hmm. why, but could you see this theme coming through in any other sort of medium? Oh, no, I don't think it would have worked because this was a real time project. So like the first poems that I wrote, I was writing them in real time. Like and all of these, almost all of these were written on a typewriter that I had plugged in on like my dining room table. And so I would put a piece of paper in and I would write something out and then I'd stick it in a file and leave it and I did this over the course of four to five years so I would never be able to go back today and capture what I felt then because I have so much more perspective now I would be writing it from the point of view of this is what really was happening you know now that I'm more stable now like writing it in the unstable 
frame of mind made it what it was. Mm-hmm. It made it hit with a thud on the page, like boom. And it, it has that impact. I don't think it would have that impact if I had tried to like write it out because poetry, like that's all I had energy for because I was so rattled all the time. So I could only write in these small little blips. And only when I was inspired, which is not great when you want to like do, you know, like work, like release work. But for that, it was the best thing for me. And I've always found that poetry is the best way to punch a reader directly in the face. Like, it's just, you can say so much with so little and say it so fast that it just takes your reader off guard and poetry makes me cry books don't make me cry poetry makes me cry because it's like it's lyrical it's punchy and that's what emotions need that's what I feel emotions need they need poetry to be like expressed you know what I'm saying yeah Yeah, I do. I think that some of my favorite poems are the ones that kind of like encapsulate a a moment of emotion. And, and I think that's what yours do too, is it's like, it doesn't matter if this is right or wrong or relevant or irrelevant. This is the feeling right now. And here it is on the page. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that you could probably go back and plot a really good novel with this kind of theme, but it would be in retrospect. It wouldn't be, yeah. it wouldn't have the rawness yeah. that your poetry book has, I think. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Great answer. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I feel so like blessed to be here with two poets and it's National <laughs> Poetry Month. I'm like, this is like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Is that National Poetry Month? It, it is. is. April. It's my birthday month. Oh. When is when your, your birthday? birthday? April 30th. Oh, mine was oh, the first. Happy- <laughs> Yours is April 1st? Yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Feel free to edit that out. No one needs to know when my birthday is. Oh. Well, you're 21 anyway. That's true. Yeah. I am. <laughs> so you're querying now, right? About to be in June okay. is, the, is the timeline. Can you give us a little teaser about your novel that you're going to be querying? Or is it like super hush-hush? Well, it's not. Well, I've shared a lot about it on YouTube, probably more than I should. But it is basically about, um, it is, okay, let's see. Let me think. Where's my elevator pitch? I'm sure I wrote it down. <laughs> just, Where's your 30 words with a period? <laughs> um, it's about a woman who is invited to run the most impossible ultra marathon and like no one's ever finished it. And it's a 120 mile trail race in the Nantahala national forest. And she is, wants to be the first winner of this race. However, there is some Southern Gothic stuff woven in. There's, um, her parents are dead um, but her husband doesn't know that because he thinks they've been dead for a long time because she has just done everything she can possibly do to disguise the fact that she came out of the trailer park, basically. And so she's living in California now, living the suburban housewife. But someone on this trail knows exactly who she is and is not going to let her get out of the woods until she admits and confesses to all of her sins and that is kind of like my blurb (laughs) what that sounds amazing it's so exciting well thank you (laughs) I really love it I really love it Mm -hmm. I love it too that sounds so great I will totally read it yeah it's a it's got a lot about mothers and generational curses and like there's some there's family drama there's you know well she's like uh being road hard and hung up wet out there in the woods you know it's, <laughs> it's not gonna be easy on her I can tell you that <laughs> 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 
So what's some of your inspiration for the Southern Gothic? Like, do you have any um, authors that you really love? <laughs> yes. Okay. So first, um, <laughs> Daniel Woodrill, who did Winter's Bone. He did a, not Southern Gothic, but it's folk horror. Um, that broke my heart, by the way. Oh, that's what, that is one of my favorite books of all time. It broke me. Yeah. So sad. Oh, it is sad. But it's fun, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I'm like, if your math lab explodes in your book, I'm going to read it. Uh, like, I absolutely <laughs> love tweakers. I love tweakers. Like, and this, I have stories. Like, I had to research recipes for illegal substances <laughs> or research for this book and like there's been drama all right the joy so, of being a writer yep. yeah <laughs> I found actually the the where I found um I found like a full I mean it could have been written by Rachel Ray uh recipe on a rehab site and I literally called them and was like what are you thinking <laughs> Are you trying to get people in like the door? Are you financially like struggling right now? You gotta take that down. But I did copy and paste it before. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. This is writers, y'all. Yes. Our search history is questionable. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I need a t shirt that says don't judge me by my search history. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> So David Woodrell, he was the Holy Grail. Next was Gillian Flynn with Sharp Objects. Oh, I hit it out of the arc. Oh, let me see. <laughs> Flynn. Um, Donald Ray Pollock, who wrote The Devil All the Time. Um, the Familiar by Amy Engel. That was a fantastic, like, folk. Oh, okay, I should tell you. I write folk horror, okay? <laughs> like, I write dark, backwoods country horror books. Okay, that's, like, my genre. This is cute, but <laughs> I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a dark fiction writer for sure. Um, I love, <laughs> and I just fit more easily into the Southern Gothic voice, like, because there's just something magical. There's so much hoodoo and like superstition in the South. It's so much fun to play with. Like, I love it. I don't know what they're superstitious of over in the Midwest, but corn. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, I, I know about gumbo. I know about the swamp. I know about the the gators and the chicken bones. Like, I'm I'm all for it. So. That's what I write, and so that's what I love to read. I love folk stuff. I love horror novels and thrillers and stuff like that. No, once in a while I'll read something mushy gushy. You know, I you know every once in a while we get some going on. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I'm trying to spot Hillbilly Elegy, J.D. Vance. Fantastic. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yes. Um. Oh, Hell in the Heartland. That's actually a true crime. About, you know, like two appearance out of a trailer park and there was an explosion and that, yeah, like fabulous. Um, The Current by Tim Johnson. I love wildlife thrillers. Like anywhere where someone's going to be faced with nature in some confronting way. That's so fun to me. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, I could talk about this all day, so I'm going to just end my list there. <laughs> That's cool. See, I've got a giant list now of all these books yeah. that I have to read, so thanks for that. Yeah. They are so good. Joy, uh, Joy played around with some Southern Gothic uh, this Halloween. She wrote a short story that was really chilling. Oh, angels and demons and, like, being kidnapped. And, like, oh, oh my goodness. Goodness to me. <laughs> Seriously. You have my email, girl. Just yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, I have a. I'll have to send you a link. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a reading of it. Like I, ha I got to read it for my library. 
That's oh, fun. That's awesome. What do y'all write? What's, what genres? I know you write poetry. But, I write um, poetry and women's fiction. Women's fiction. Mm-hmm. And Joy, I'll let you say. <laughs> um, Southern fiction and fantasy. And one day I'm going to do historical fiction. I've done a little bit <gasps> in there. But, awesome. Yeah. I want to do some children's stuff too eventually. Yeah. But um, that'll come yeah. a little bit later. I've already got the ideas. I've just got to be able to initiate. So yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and I also, I like, I like the magical stuff too, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you that I'm very like Jane Austen as far as happy ending redemption story, like, because don't buy I, my book. But like, <laughs> I will buy it because I'd like you. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm also like an ornament. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, seriously. <laughs> I will, but I will also read it too. Cause I'm that friend. So <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just feel like, you know, life has so much turmoil in it for me anyway, that I need like a little bit of escapism. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of what, um, what I like to find in my reading. And so it's also kind of what I want to provide for readers too, who might yeah. need you. So I think there's so much validity for all kinds of literature. So no, no, like judgment or anything. Cause your book's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually I had not like accepted or identified myself as a dark fiction author until the past year when I started looking at all my story ideas and I was like wow okay there's a thread yeah (laughs) we're following a theme here but honestly I think where it comes from is never wanting to be blindsided like I am a type a person if I can slice and dice it and dissect it where I can see every part of it I'm not scared of it anymore because there's nothing unknown. And I think that's why I write dark fiction because I'm like, I like to go to the depths of human nature and be like, what is really out there? Because that's what's scary about horror is that if you've read it, it's probably been done somewhere. If you can think it, someone's going to do it. Someone has probably already done it. You know what I'm saying? And with postpartum anxiety that's all I thought about 24 7 was the worst case scenario Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so for me like I cope with trauma by just fictionalizing it and then I'm like okay done with that don't ever have to think about that again like this is tormenting me I must get this out Mm -hmm. okay we're healed now. Like, I love I how you can pinpoint that, though. Yeah. Like, you can pinpoint that. And, and I can, I, you know, I want to write escapism because that's what healed me yeah. whenever I was coming out of that postpartum depression. Yeah. So that was like my relief. So that's what I want to write. So that's so interesting that yours also comes from a place of healing yeah. for you as well. People like, yeah, the process things differently. And I don't, I don't know fully the reason why it works the way it does but like yeah Mm -hmm. joy do you know why you write like why you want to write what you want to write I don't know I think I haven't I don't know I don't think that I've gone deep enough in my psycho whatever (laughs) y'all okay so here's the thing like I can psychoanalyze myself all day long and it gets to a point where it can get really bad. (laughs) But I think that I do need to think more about that, like why I write certain things or why I want to write certain things or why certain themes keep reappearing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think I need to do... You crave nostalgia? Possibly, yeah. That might be. Because your fantasy book is very nostalgic to what you love to read whenever you we're young. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of my, like my historical that I've done and my fantasy is very based in Scotland and, um, both actually in the same time period. So I think that there's a part of me that's very drawn to that. My, um, my great grandfather came from Scotland and I know that this sounds completely nuts, but I, and I've never been to Scotland but I swear I feel like there is a part of my heart somewhere in that country. And one day I'm going to get over there and I'm going to find it. <laughs> but like that part, like I get why I'm naturally drawn to that, you know? Yeah. So Nostalgia and then, automatically infers comfort 
And so like, I, I know that there are projects that I've worked on because I wanted to create like a whole place where I could go just live in a moment and I could live in there whenever I wanted, you know? So when you talk about writing historical and writing Southern Gothic, especially in, or, you know, that type of thing, it makes me think of, I want to go back here. Like, this is a place where I like to be and I just want to come back here. Yeah. yeah. So that could be it. So, Joy, you have homework. I do. I do. I know what my QWERTY challenge is for this week. <laughs> Search your soul. So, well, if you're going to be querying, that means that you're going to be a hybrid author since you've um, self-published your paper daisies and you're querying now. Um, so is there one or the other that appeals to you more, whether it's self-publishing or the traditional route? hundred uh, percent. Traditional publishing definitely is an industry that I am just head over heels in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, I love every single tier and level of the industry and how it works like I'm fascinated by it I love the querying process I love how publishing houses themselves work and like I don't know I don't know what it is I think it's um probably goes back to walking into a bookstore as a kid and like being like wow these books, all these books, like, and knowing that, like, my book would be there with them, you know, whereas Paper Daisies is limited, and that's fine, because I didn't want it to be widespread, I wanted it to be something very intimate, um, but I don't think that I would even call myself a hybrid author, um, because I don't plan on ever self-publishing again, I mean, like, I could, especially, like, poetry collection. But I feel like saying, oh, I'm a hybrid author, it's almost like saying I'm putting equal effort into both sides. And honestly, like 100% of my effort goes to traditional. I write to market. So that's controversial in and of itself. But like write to market, like writing what you know will sell. Mm -hmm. Like I'm very passionate about my stories and I can put a spin, but I also have a knack for being like, this direction with the story might not have as strong of a hook as this direction goes. And I have no problem whatsoever, like moving elements around and just making it the best it can be. Mm-hmm. I love thinking about books as a product. That's why, you know, I had my hands in every single bit of the production of this because I love the the graphic design. I love the marketing. I love all of it. But I am a mom. And that hat, all of those hats are heavy. Yes, girl. Yes. Oh my gosh, they weigh my head down where I can't even get out of it. I'm like, that's so much. It's so much. You know what I'm saying? And in order to stay on top in the self-publishing world, you need to release like once a quarter, and that's not going to happen for me ever. <laughs> I'm like. I'm good if I can just like get up and brush my teeth in the morning, throw it up in a ponytail and go like be presentable. I'm like, I'm not going to put like a schedule too far in my future. Um, I need to focus on like the writing process itself, do what I'm good at and let a team of people handle all the rest. So that's why I'm very much passionate about traditional publishing. And I want a movie. I want a movie. I would love for my novel that I'm doing right now to be made into a video game. How fun would that be? I mean, you know, they have the connections to make that happen. You know, I I dream big. I'm like, aim for the stars. If Grand Theft Auto can be a video game, surely this book could be something. It could be a video game. Yeah. So tell us how your YouTube situation and writing, if they work well together or, you know, why you enjoy being a YouTuber, because you do have a fabulous channel. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that is a, um, that is a venture. It's a platform. I built that specifically 
for myself as an author. So everything that I've ever done on that channel has been mindful of my goals and where I want to go in the future. Um, it's common, like everyone I know on AuthorTube, they have seasons with it where they're like, I really need to step away and focus more on my work. But it's so incredible to just have a place where you can go just like air out, like I'm at a block or this is my process or I just want to be around like-minded people. Um, so I love that. And I'm currently like on a semi-hiatus where I'm not posting regularly at the moment because I'm like, until I finish this rewrite, like nothing else <laughs> can matter, period. Like I've just got to get this out of the way. But after that, like, I, I would love to talk about querying and blog about querying. And I, I see that that's a lot of how author tubers work. They're like, I'm going to go away and do my work. Okay, I'm back. Let me tell you how I did it. Like, <laughs> like you know, so YouTube isn't fun. It's a creative outlet that's not writing that still scratches like a little itch to like give me something productive that I can do and I can feel satisfied by it. There's like immediate gratification with people commenting and interacting. So it's a fabulous like confidence booster, especially. So people who want to join AuthorTube, it's a very welcoming community and you can find writers in every sect of every goal and finish line that like you can find someone to work with on there for sure. And it's just great to like chronicle your own journey and let people know who you are. And for the longest, I think for decades, authors have been very much in the shadows. Like we read their books, but we don't have a lot of idea of who they are as people unless they write a memoir. So YouTube and social media has become like a, a way to connect and build a more a relationship with boundaries, yeah. <laughs> you know, with the, those readers. Yeah. So it sounds like they go kind of hand in hand. So like your YouTube fills the well and then your writing kind of empties it and then you kind of go back and yes, forth. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I love the way you put that. That's so cool. So did you have any fears when you first started the YouTube channel like um, about just getting on there and, and talking to who knows who? Yes. Definitely. I, the thing that I was most self-conscious about was my Southern accent, actually. Um, I was very self-conscious of saying too much or saying the wrong thing. Like, I never wanted to say something emotionally because I have a problem with, like, myself. I'm a very, like, reformer. I get very, like, fired up about things. And it, I'm like, I'm going to be the front line in your march, like, in your mob. Like, I'm going crazy. Like, look, where are we going? Let's do it. I got a pitchfork. Let's go. So, like, I can get, like, jump to say things. And as I've matured, I've been on YouTube for almost four years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sporadically, but more recently, over the past two years, like, really you know frequently I've learned how to discern what to say and when so that was originally my thing it's just being aware of my own weaknesses like my own personality faults I was like uh I don't necessarily want to have a faux pas <laughs> in public you know like it's better if you just process this, but it's hard for me because I'm like, oh, I have a platform. I can reach people and say something. Well, something that I love about the podcast is that um, Joy and I actually get to kind of articulate the things that are going on in our head in this, like this amorphous cloud. We get to put words to it and labels and, and yeah. it all comes out and it's also recorded for posterity and also for ourselves whenever we get, you know, old and feeble and we want to re-listen to all of this stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I love that about the podcast. And I wonder if that's the same thing with your vlog. It's like, you know, one day you're going to come back to this and you're going to be like, I can't believe I was scared of this or yeah. look how far I've come from point A to point Z, you know? Yeah. It's been so. very weird, especially over the past six months because at first, I was just like a little fish. <laughs> and I was just like, no one really watches me anyway. And, you know, so I would, I was a lot more easygoing. 
and people didn't take me entirely seriously because they're like, oh, what's that hillbilly over there got to say, you know? <laughs> and um, she's Alabama. I'm like, Mississippi. Okay. <laughs> well I'm from both so but then it's like there's this weird psychological marker in people's minds it's like once you move from having a couple hundred subscribers once you pass that 1000 subscriber mark all of a sudden they're like the guru must tell us what to do and I'm like no 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 hillbilly I'm I'm a hillbilly okay I'm like I don't know no, don't ask me. I was like, no, it's funny. And then it was like, people, oh, your accent's so sweet. It's so endearing. You're just like a little southern belle. And I'm like, oh, really? Yesterday I was from Alabama. And today, <laughs> you're like Scarlett O'Hare. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it's, a, it's weird. So now that I'm like in a comfortable spot on YouTube where I'm like, I'm established. I have an established channel. I can walk away from it. I don't feel weird about it. And I'm like, when I come to YouTube, I know exactly what people who subscribe to me want to see. They just want to see me right. So, I mean, I'm like, when I get back to you, I'll get back to you. And it'll be writing. Just sometimes I got to do that behind the scenes too, you know. <laughs> so do you have any tips on juggling everything? Because we've talked about being moms, the work, the everything. So any any tips? This is going to be hard to hear. But you're going to have to sacrifice some things. Okay. Real talk. <laughs> you can't you can't do it all and you can't have it all. Or you can either have it all or do it all but not both. So you can either have your I watch eight hours of Netflix every day or you can <laughs> devote some of those hours to cleaning your house and writing your books. It's like it's really all comes down to and this is different for every person. It doesn't actually matter where you fall, on where writing falls on your priority list. As long as you know, priority, priority number one is this, and writing falls somewhere on this tier. You got to know where it ranks. You got to know what you're willing to sacrifice, and you'll make it work. So, for instance, my house is a wreck. Because I would rather write a book than I would clean. Who would rather write a book than they would clean? I'm like, I have like one day a week that I like speed clean the whole house. Because I'm like, I have to, whatever. I don't watch TV anymore. And that's weird. Because uh, me and my husband used to just do nothing but watch TV. Now he's out of town. And I'm like, I got all this time. There's no time to waste. You know, so... <laughs> It's not like that all the time. There are days when I don't do anything, but just I watch my favorite show. I work on this. I work on that. I do other things. But it's because I have a clear idea of where writing falls on my priority list. I know I'm not ever wondering. I have it clearly defined. And I think something about goals and dreams that make them feel so out of reach is that they are not defined. And they are very loosely categorized in your mind. So you don't really have a clear path of how to get there. So once you identify things in your life, you'll know how to manage your time better. And it doesn't matter if writing is your last priority. It doesn't make you any less of a writer. It just means that you can stop hating yourself for not spending every second writing. You say, it's okay if I write 30 minutes every week. That's that's what you need to do. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. There are writers who work within a wide variety of schedules. It's when you try to fit yourself into someone else's box or a box that doesn't fit you that you become miserable, burnt out, and feeling like hopeless, like you're never gonna get there. So that's my biggest my biggest tip in juggling it. Organize it first. 
Oh, that's so good. That's really, really good, Camille. And it falls in line with like what we believe together as like the QWERTYs um, Mm -hmm. is is define it and figure out how much you're going to sacrifice. And we, you know, you can't, you can't have it all. You're going to have to give something up. I haven't watched TV in a really long time either. Um, so. Yeah. But there are over the past few weeks, I had to say, okay, YouTube's it's in the way now, you know, and like as much as I love, and I mean, I absolutely head over heels love doing YouTube. I'm like, they will survive not seeing me for two weeks. Well, and that's the thing too. Like once you prioritize, that doesn't mean you can't reprioritize in two weeks. Right. You know, like if your family needs to come first for a little Mm -hmm. while, then that's what needs to happen. And then if, you know, because we we just had some deaths in the family. So we had to cut the joy was so kind in putting two past episodes that we had done um, for the last two weeks. And so you will be our first live episode, like fresh episode. I'm so excited to to be able to come back with you too. But, um, and Joy actually had to make me make, me make this decision because I was like, no, I can do it, Joy. I can do it. <laughs> you know, it's <like, laughs> not yeah. everywhere. You <laughs> can totally do this. And she was like, yeah. um, no, May, I'm going to have to put my foot down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Good for you. You're a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we get to now reprioritize this coming up week and say, you know what, the podcast is going to be important. Writing is going to be important. Getting this poetry book finalized is going to be important. You know, these things, these things. And then next week, you know, if it's a hard week at work, then maybe work is going to have to come above writing for a little bit. So I love that. I love the the organizing. Sometimes you'll be organizing. Write like you're working. And sometimes you'll be like, I'm just writing for fun right now. Like, this is my fun time. Or you'll be like, I'm sitting down and working. Like, I got my coffee. I got my good pen. Everything. You know? And it's like, it's just how you frame it in your mind, you know? Like, even thinking about your story and just devoting some time, like, while you're driving in the car to brainstorm, that's still moving you forward. Sure is. You know? And it's like, I think we always get more done than we give ourselves credit for. And, you know, if you, my habit, my in thought, like my conclusion, if you just <laughs> write down, like, what you accomplished every day, yeah. and you're like, you can look back and be like, oh, I haven't been doing nothing for a week, actually. I've been doing a lot of stuff, you know, because it's the writer guilt that's mm-hmm. the worst. And it's a liar. It's a liar. Mm-hmm. You've been doing more than you think, for sure. So just write down every day. Just be like, I brainstormed about my story. I fixed the plot point while I was thinking. Haven't written it down yet, but I at least worked it out. And then you're like, oh, well, I've done more than I thought I did. You know? Well, Camille, that's actually perfect because we have kept you over an hour and it was just so much fun to talk to you. I kind of didn't want to let you know that it was time to go. So my bad. Thank you so but much for having me. At the um, at the end of every episode, we do a QWERTY challenge, and I feel like that's kind of perfect, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So That is my QWERTY challenge. Every day this week, write down what you accomplish, and if you can at least accomplish one thing every day, you're ahead. For real. You're ahead. Yeah. Yes. So, Camille, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Camille Myrick, C-A-M-I-L-L-E-M-Y-R-I-C-K. And you can find me on Instagram at Camille Myrick. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Camille Myrick, author on Facebook and Twitter. I'm bad at Twitter. I post weird things on there. But if you like getting (laughs) weather updates from my local town, (laughs) not yours, you like pictures of tornadoes that hit me and not you um follow me on twitter at camille underscore myrick so yeah it's my name everywhere if you look around you might find what you want to find and maybe some that you didn't want to (laughs) (laughs) well to close this out what's your favorite snack oh oh my favorite snack watch it oh Lay's original. (laughs) 
Okay. I have a picture of Lay's original potato chips in my bullet journal because that's how much oh, they comfort me. Oh, <laughs> that is so sweet. The salty. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love it. Love so, it. I used to put Lay's original potato chips on top of my pimento and cheese sandwich. Wow. And girl, it is like game changer. It's really, mm-hmm. really good. Oh, sometimes I crave, I call it my uh, my chip sandwich. Yep. <laughs> like a jelly sandwich and put the chips on it. Oh my gosh. It's Ooh. the best thing. Stick so those good. chips it's in that sandwich. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Make one of those things that you do this week, buying a bag of Lay's original <laughs> potato chips, okay? Life-changing. <laughs> and write down that you did it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Might burn the skin off the top of your mouth, but you'll have a great time. <laughs> so salty. They're really salty, but they're yeah. yummy. <laughs> Well, Camille, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today, audience members. And if you think about it, if you like this episode, just feel free to give us a ranking or a rating. That's what they call it these days. A rating (laughs) on iTunes or whatever your host provider is. We would love to see that you are enjoying what you're hearing. And in the meantime, we hope that you have a great week. Yep. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. All right, and go make something. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting partywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you.